Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we get to today's podcast, I wanted to update you on a couple things that occurred after we recorded the podcast with Matt Baker talking college football today. One of our favorite shows of the week. But uh, first of all, the Bucks have removed John Gruden, former head coach, winner of the first Super Bowl in franchise history, removed them from their ring of honor. Of course, on yesterday's podcast, we talked about how he was just let go by the Raiders for some comments that were made in emails 10 years ago as part of the investigation into the Washington football team. The statement from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers says the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have advocated for purposeful change in the areas of race relations, gender equality, diversity, and inclusion for many years. While we acknowledge John Gruden's contributions on the field, his actions go against our core values as an organization. Therefore, he will no longer continue to be a member of the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. We'll have a lot more of this tomorrow. Rick will have his comments, of course, uh, on tomorrow's podcast, which will also preview the Bucks eagles Thursday night game. Short week, of course, this week. So that'll all be on tomorrow's podcast. We'll also answer some mailbag questions. If you have questions about John Gruden or the Rays' uh, early departure uh, from the postseason or the Lightning, who had a very uninspired effort uh, and on Tuesday night, uh, the banner was raised. Uh, everyone was cheering and excited for that. And as John Cooper, and I'll paraphrase, he said, we watched the banner go up and then we watched a team try to win a hockey game. And it was not the Lightning. So there was a lot of watching going on on the team. Uh, they ended up losing 6-2, to two, uh, gave up three empty net goals as they were trying to create anything late, which is how they, once they uh, pulled the goalie, they started scoring some goals too and finally got some uh, some any activity in the offensive zone. But it was just a bad night. Pucks were bouncing all over the place. Passes were way off. It just, it was, uh, it's not a night we see very often with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they were definitely, uh, definitely not an effort they want to uh, repeat or probably even watch the tape on. It was that bad. So, uh, but again, John Gruden removed from the Bucks Ring of Honor. We'll talk about that tomorrow. The Lightning lose their season opener for the first time. Uh, they'd won seven straight season openers. So, uh, they are 0-1-0 to start the season, but the banner did go up in the building in front of a sold-out crowd of 19,092. So that's what's going on now. And uh, without further ado, here's Rick Stroud with Matt Baker. All right. Well, it's my favorite time of week. And, Matt, i got to tell you, you cover a crazy sport because, uh, <clears throat> listen, college football was never more fun, I think, and maybe I'm just getting nostalgic, than it was last Saturday all across the country. These games were nutso, and scoring galore, comebacks all over the place, upset city. Um, it was remarkable, and it started for me um, with the Red River rivalry in Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, w- I was at the Florida Vandy game, which was going on at the same time, so I'm just seeing like little bits and pieces on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I've got a lot of friends from Texas and Oklahoma, and it's just following it that way w- was nuts. Got to see a couple of highlights. 
you know, that, that's that's going on. And then my wife's texting me about it as well. She, she's she's from Texas and, you know, we, we oh, used to live boy. in Oklahoma for a couple of years. So that's a game that means a lot. And, you know, just talking to my, my four year old afterward, how much he enjoyed watching that game. And then <laughs> while that's going on, uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas is absolutely nuts. <laughs> and yeah. I'm in we're, we're still doing um, post game interviews on Zoom. Right. So uh, cover the Florida Vandy game, go into kind of the part of the press box kind of the lounge area lounge makes it sound fancier than it is but everybody kind of has their own little station we're all gonna zoom in and everybody's kind of watching out of the corner of their eye the last couple plays of, of arkansas old miss before mullen comes on oh okay mullen's here we actually have to work now um <laughs> and that was that was just the new window that was just the first yeah spot of Saturday. it was nuts and they were going on simultaneously i mean first of all you don't you don't see a lot of teams Come back from twenty eight seven to say the very least, no. and and you know Texas, obviously a new coach, and and here they had a chance to take down Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler is benched; he's missing some easy throws. Um, Lincoln Riley turns to Caleb Williams, who's a you know a five star recruit, of course, and this kid leads them back um, with just an an amazing comeback. It, it, it you know they were the score was tied forty eight, which is just over a minute left, and then. Um, you know, Williams takes him, what, 75 yards, and then they get uh, Kennedy Brooks's 33-yard touchdown yeah. run, really just trying to set up a field goal in that situation. And then um, Texas uh, winds up uh, he winds up scoring. So my question would be, Spencer Rattler, I mean, a guy that at the beginning of the year people were trying to compare, I think, I think uh, mistakenly so, um, to some of the other Oklahoma quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield and, and others. Um, what happens now? I mean, does a guy like that suddenly say, hey, this looks like it's Kayla Williams' show, I'm in the portal? Or, uh, I mean, I noticed that Lincoln Riley wouldn't even let Rattler talk after the game. Or, I'm sorry, Williams talk after the game, which was wild. Right. Well, I, I, I don't remember Lincoln's rule exactly, but Caleb Williams is a freshman. A lot of coaches don't let freshmen talk That's to true. media. That's true. Um, what's, you know, you and I are the only people who care, here who are going to care about this, but that's going to be an interesting rule to watch in the coming years because, you know, for, it's, it's one thing with when the coach wants to control everything and then it's my message and my team and my rules. And that's fine. I get it. Yeah. Not complaining. Yeah. I, I don't agree with it. And there's been times in my job where it's really challenging, but that's, that's the rule. That's fine. What will be interesting then is with name, image and likeness where Caleb Williams is going to want to be out there. You know, I, yeah. or maybe not Caleb Williams specifically, but another Caleb Williams at some point down the line. A freshman is going to be want is going to want to be in front of the media, going to want to be talking, going to be able to show himself as a marketable person. That hey, local car dealer, yeah. hey, chicken, uh, chicken restaurant, what, whatever it is, I'm somebody that that you should be in business with. So I don't. That's just a little. Again, you and I are the only people who probably care about that, but. What you said just reminded me of it. Um, with Spencer Rattler here, it's going to be interesting. Um, he's been good, I think, over his OU career. I mean, he torched the Gators in the Cotton Bowl. Um, but he hasn't been that Baker Mayfield, Sam Bradford, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts type player that, that OU has had at, at quarterback over the years. Right. He's good enough to where someone will want him. You know, he, if he wants to go in the portal, someone will take him. Um, I don't know if he's going to want to, if he's been in his head this whole time, I'm three and done. I'm going to the league no matter what. And I've got enough arm talent where somebody will take me. 
but I think the more likely scenario is he kind of gets he kind of gets Felipe Frankst, um, except without the injury, where it's, mm. it, he loses the job and then he's going to have to make a decision for himself. Um, I, I wouldn't think he would want to transfer enter the portal right now. I think the best thing for him is to stick around because, you know, for all we know, and, you know, God forbid, but Caleb Williams goes out and gets hurt on the first snap next week, right? And, in which case, it'd, it'd be Spencer's show again. So I think the, the short-term thing is he sticks around um, as the backup, and then long-term he enters the portal and is somebody else's starting quarterback next year. Yeah, weighs his options in the NFL, which I think he'll be able to do, and, and um, I'd be shocked if people say this guy's a can't-miss, um, you know, first-round type talent at quarterback is still even in a loose or in a loose even in a loss um in a loose loss um does steve sarkeesian i mean you know you hate to go down that way obviously but does that give texas some hope that uh in one of the craziest saturdays they they take oklahoma to the mat i think it probably does um I mean, look, patience in Austin does not long, last long. They, they have more money yeah. than God. And they're, mm-hmm. at some point, you know, beating, barely losing to Oklahoma is not good enough. I mean, it's, it's not going to be that situation. This year, even people in Texas aren't that crazy because Texas isn't that bad. But at, at some point, it's going to have to be more than that. But, yeah, I think he showed a little bit of proof of concept that he knows what he's doing. Um, he can have a fun, high-scoring offense and play a very good team down to the wire. I, you know? And for for right now, where, where Sark is and where the Longhorns are, I, I think that's good enough. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was uh, entertaining football. It's a shame that they lost with that kind of lead. Well, you mentioned a minute ago, Old Miss and Arkansas. Um, I guess if you score a touchdown on the final play of the game, it's your prerogative to roll the dice and go for the two-point conversion. But, man, what a tough way to lose uh, 52-51. <laughs> wow. I'm okay, I'm okay with the call. Um, you know, look, I I think top to bottom, Ole Miss probably has more talent. Mm -hmm. And in which case, the longer the game goes, the more likely it is that the talent's going to win. Certainly they've got a a great quarterback in Matt Corral and everything. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the call. Go for it. Roll the dice. Say you, you, you trust your guys and let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, unfortunately for the hogs, it, uh, the the chips fell the other way, but goodness, I mean, what a game and Arkansas is good. Like I think Old Miss is good. I think Arkansas is good, and this the SEC is always tough. You know, I cover a lot of SEC football, obviously, and that's the whole thing. It just means more and and all that stuff. But really, the SEC is is very very good. Um, and it's a. I'm sure we'll get to the. I guess there was another SEC West game of some. There's sort one that coming happened. up, right? In, yeah, coming up soon. Yeah, here we can talk about that in a second. But the the SEC is is wild because aside from Georgia. Georgia's a, a great team, period. They're the only great team in the country. Um, but then there's a lot of really good teams, good to really good teams in that next tier, that anybody can beat anybody and screw somebody up to the point where, you know, uh, Jimbo can beat uh, a- Alabama, and Arkansas and Ole Miss can go the wire. And then I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas, I don't even know who they play next, but it, it, will, be, it will go back and forth, and those West teams will beat each other up the rest of the season. But I think they're all pretty much all pretty darn good. Yeah, and entertaining football. You just leaked it there a little bit. The Texas A&M Jimbo Fishers upset Alabama. It finally happened. One of uh, one of Nick Saban's former coaches finally took him down. It's taken this long, which is just remarkable. But what do you say about the Aggies' young quarterback? Um, 
who wasn't supposed to be their starter at the beginning of the year, obviously. Two touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, you know, he he stays in the game. I mean, 21 straight points. The Crimson Tide rolls off. They got a lead, 38-31. Um, and here he comes, uh, six-play, 65-yard drive, and then um, the game-winning field goal, of course, uh, which was terrific. I mean, this this game had it all, and – I was proud of of the Aggies. I I thought they were going to let it go, and and they came back and they won that thing. When Alabama blocked the punt for the touchdown, mm. I, I okay, well that's it. Everybody yeah. go home. We're, we're we're done here. That that's that's the play they needed. Just because we've seen that from Alabama before. I mean, there was one absolutely. I can't remember sixteen or seventeen. There's one year where they scored. I mean, just a thousand non-offensive touchdowns um, because that's just how how excellent they were at everything and you think at that point all right game's over and then a&m goodness to their credit they they take the the the, the kickoff the ensuing kickoff to the house 96 and yards that, yeah. that was to me one of the big plays because like i said it could have easily spiraled out of control alabama yeah. still has this alabama mystique and mm-hmm. when so you could see it when, when alabama makes a play when they take the lead when when you know when they block the kick you could see it going the other way. Oh, these, these guys are back, and it didn't. To to um to, to Jimbo's credit, to A and M's credit, and you know, like you said, Zach Calzada, I I don't understand A and M. I don't. I mean, look at this. Okay, they beat Kent State in the opener. Whoopsie do. Ten points against Colorado. Now, some of that was the starting quarterback got hurt, but okay, maybe give him a pass. Thirty-four against New Mexico. That's not bad. Ten against Arkansas. Twenty-two against Mississippi State, which is a decent team, not great. And then 41 against Bama. I don't know where that came from. I, I really don't. I, I guess the, you know, Jimbo's a good quarterback coach. We know this. Um, I, I think the, the the bloom kind of went off the rose a little bit in the post-Jamis era because FSU cycled through mediocre quarterbacks. And then, you know, Kellen Mond was fine at, at A&M. He wasn't great. He was, he was, he was fine. Um, so maybe uh, the, our perception of Jimbo as a quarterback guru went away, but he just needed a couple weeks with his calzada to figure out what's this guy do best. What are how can I put him in the best position possible to make plays? And then he was able to do that against an Alabama defense that is not great. Um, it's not the, the Alabama defense that we're used to, and you no know, A and defense also was able to. to uh, to, to, to hang with with Alabama's offense early, particularly the off, Alabama's offensive line was not very good, which right. is stunning because a Alabama usually is very good along, along the lines, and b Doug Maroney is their freaking O line coach. They've got an NFL head coach, former NFL head coach, as their O line coach, on an offense coordinated by a former NFL head coach, and it wasn't that good. I, I don't know what to make of that. Well, it, it was it was a a huge win, I think, for Jimbo, and obviously he's done a great job with Calzada, Calzada, and and you know the, I thought the kid was very accurate. He was poised, and you know what? Every now and then the field goal kicker makes it, and there was I don't know if you saw on Twitter. There's just a a great shot of Small's family. What these what these families go through. Oh yeah. Um, but my goodness, what drama that was! Uh, looked like it was maybe heading outside the left upright, and then hooks back in. And that place went absolutely crazy down there in College Station. That was that was some kind of fun. Um, not to be outdone just, by any, sorry. Just ahead. one one thing on on the kickers. Yeah, I, I don't care what my kid does for a living. I, I don't I, I don't care. I, I want him to have success. I want him to do better than his old man. All that stuff. I do as long as as he's not a kicker. 
I could not imagine what what you would be going through as a parent watching that. Terrible. Just because, I mean, it's completely out of your control. And nobody cares about the kicker unless he makes the winning field goal or, or doing something. I could not imagine how nerve-wracking that would be. I, I would be, oh my goodness, I would be like, I'd look like Urban Meyer during a game or after a loss, just <laughs> doubled well, over, hands on my head, like I'm like I'm having a kidney stone or something. That's what I would be. Yeah. These days when you say you'd look like Urban Meyer, you have to be very careful with that uh, analogy. But yes. yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're Fair talking point. about. Um, that uh, It's funny that you would, you would go to the game and then in the penultimate moment when your child is about to make or miss the winning field goal, you literally don't watch <laughs> and cover your eyes, head, nope. head in the laps. Uh, and just listen for the crowd noise, but boy, that was that was really great drama. Um, I thought it was unfortunate. I really thought that Penn State had Iowa; they had control of that game, fourteen to three at halftime. But then they lose their senior quarterback Sean Clifford uh, to an injury towards at the end of the half. It was a it was tough duty, right, for Taquan Roberson to come in and and you know and see his first action. But Iowa gets the win, and you know, I mean, right now they're in great shape to to maybe make a spot in the, in the national, you know, championship picture. They're in the picture. I'm still skeptical. And yeah. maybe that's not fair to Iowa um, because they're, they're not the sexiest team. Let's face it. They're not look, they've, I've, I've got them two in the country. I'm, I'm looking at my AP poll. I've got them two in the country. I don't think they're a bad team or anything like that. And to their credit, they've handled business by and large. You, you look at this, the schedule, Colorado State 24-14 was a closer win than it should have been because the Rams are not very good. Everything else, they've played very well, including the, the the win over Penn State. They just don't have all of the high-end dudes necessary. You know, I, I'm there's a guy, Bud Elliott, used to write for Tomahawk Nation. Now he's at 24-7 Sports, a Florida guy. Um, his, he does this thing every year, the blue-chip ratio, where if you go back as long as recruiting rankings have been a thing, Every team that has won a national championship has more four slash five stars on their roster than two and three stars. There's about a dozen schools every year that are in that mix. And you know, the ones that they are, it's Ohio state and Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and those guys. If you're not in that mix, maybe you can get to the playoff. Maybe, maybe you can. Um, But I don't think you can beat a, a Georgia and an Oklahoma or Georgia and, and you know, Ohio State, whoever it is, in back-to-back games to win it all. Um, but look, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves right now. Iowa is a very good team. They're one of the best couple teams in the country. And look, Kinnick Stadium, I, I've never been to a game there, but it's pretty high on my list because that is a very, very tough place to play. We saw that Saturday night uh, against Penn State, Saturday afternoon yeah. against Penn State. It's a great atmosphere, and of course, the whole Children's Hospital thing is is a oh, great yeah. tradition that they have there as well. Um, listen, uh, to say it was a big win for Mike Norvell and Florida State going into North Carolina and Chapel Hill and upsetting the Tar Heels is an understatement. So let's put it in perspective, Matt. Um, they desperately needed wins, and mm-hmm. to get it over a North Carolina team, which was probably more well thought of at the beginning of the year than they are currently, is still nonetheless... For an ACC victory, um, just put in perspective what what the Seminoles were able to accomplish on Saturday. Well, I, I think they were something like eighteen point underdogs. Um, uh, Corey Clark from Warchant was trying to figure out if that was the biggest, like point spread wise, the biggest upset in Florida State history. And wow, 
I, I at least at least starting you know kind of going the more modern era last 40 years or whatever I probably j- again just j- the numbers wise that that was absolutely huge for FSU and I said it last week again the Syracuse game you could start to see things falling into place where you know yeah. the, the, uh, particularly on offense the, the coach say okay these are our playmakers how can we we, we know who they are now we, we know who they are how can we get them the ball in creative ways to let them make plays? And I think that continued uh, against North Carolina, where maybe you're starting to see the, the see them turn the corner. Um, I, I'm not saying that they're going to you know go from zero and four to eight and four or anything like that, but you can see them making progress. And once you have some wins under your belt, say, look, this this what we're doing it works, and we just proved it right here. Maybe you can see some momentum going, and you know the, uh, FSU is going into an open date this week. UMass next week. Uh, UMass is just god awful. Although, hey, credit to the Minutemen for beating UConn, and what was an interesting game between the two worst teams in the country. Um, and then things get interesting with, with Clemson um, at the end of the month. So maybe you can see FSU making some progress, and and, and certainly with how awful things started for Norvell. The, the critics have kind of gotten quieter, and, and he's, sh- he's showing some proof of concept that what he's doing can work. It just needs more time. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I think it does need more time. We talked about a year ago him coming in during the pandemic. I think all those coaches were, were behind it a little bit. But um, in, in culture, you know, we always talk about culture, chicken and the egg. Everybody comes in and changes. Winning is changing the culture. Win, wins are what you need, however you get them. But – to your point, I think they do start to have an identity, start to have a better feel for their football team, um, start to understand how they're going to win games. And, you know, you grow with confidence each week. And so, again, I think Mac Brown and those guys have sort of underachieved at North Carolina. Um, yep. I thought they'd have a better year, and, and certainly their quarterback was well regarded. But um, by the same token, um, you know, there are no – <laughs> There are no easy victories in college football as we just saw this past Saturday. There was one in Gainesville, and you were there for it. Uh, the, Gators, <laughs> the Gators took apart Vanderbilt, which is not a surprise. What I liked about your analysis, though, Matt, is that you saw some, some problems that the, the Gators may want to clean up before they get back into the, uh, the hunt here. Yeah, it was Florida didn't play great. You know, they won 42 nothing. Give them credit for that. The second half was a lot better, but... The first half, you know, they were up twenty-one to zero. It should have been twenty-one to thirteen or fourteen, but uh, Vandy doinked one field goal, missed another, and then had a fourth-down touchdown catch reversed on on replay. That it looked, looked like a touchdown to me, but what do I know? So there's there's still some issues. Um, Emory Jones missed a, a wide open. I think it was Rick Wells for what should have been a touchdown. Those those are. Those are things you can't do in the SEC. When you, when you got a receiver wide open, you have to hit him, and he didn't. Um, the defense missed too many tackles, uh, penalties. I think were an issue, uh, and then and then injuries. Goodness, Florida had was that without a couple guys anyway, and Richard Garage, Malik Davis, and then Kyrie Elam. Then Brandon Cox gets injured, and starting center gets hurt, and there's there there were some some issues there. Um, and again, it didn't matter against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's really bad. They're probably the worst Power Five team in the country. Florida, and again, to Florida's credit, the score looked nice, and they did what they were supposed to do in the second half. But if I'm looking at Florida beyond one game against a bad team, and what are they going to do the rest of the year? If they play the way they did Saturday, at least to start against LSU, they'll lose. Um, and if they do that against Georgia, they'll get obliterated. 
And, you know, I, we, we can kind of spin forward ahead if we want, but this is a, last week was crazy with college football. It absolutely was. This week, we're going to learn a lot about Florida and USF and to some degree, Miami. Like these, these next two weeks are just pivotal for all three teams, I, mm. I think at least. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, Florida. Okay, so they had that LSU, which is having a horrible year. I mean, Ed Orgeron might find himself fired here um, before long if, if it continues to trend this way. But LSU has good athletes. LSU mm-hmm. has tradition, and it's always difficult to play up there, right? Um, I know it's a noon game. It's not uh, It's not a night game, which may or may not factor into it. So um, you've got the Tigers, and then the next week you know, you've got Georgia, which is now I guess everybody's number one. We can get to the rankings a little bit later. But, yeah, I think this is a big week for Florida, and I think it's a big week for USF too. You mentioned that. You know, they had their bye week. Um, they come home and play a Tulsa team, which, you know, it's the old adage, they're better than their record. Well, this one might be, actually. They, you know, they started out and they lost to teams like Ohio State. Um, they went and upset – I don't know if upset's the right word, but they beat Memphis. So this is a big test for uh, Coach Scott's team, and, and he's got a home game uh, at Raymond James on Saturday. They need to win this one. They do. Um, you look at Tulsa, they're, they're not awful, but this is winnable. Um, yeah. Yeah. When, when, you, when you start looking at the rest of this schedule, reading a schedule right. is boring, but, but hear me right. out. Tulsa and Temple at home, both winnable games. Mm-hmm. At East Carolina on a Thursday night, that's tricky. And then mm-hmm. USF's got uh, Houston, who's pretty good. You've got yep. Cincinnati, who's, who's very, really very good. good. Mm-hmm. At Tulane, which is winnable but on the road, and then UCF, which you know they might actually have players not on the injury list at that point. So if I'm looking at this with how rough things have gone for USF, if they don't beat Tulsa and or Temple next week, I don't know that there's a win on this schedule the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you never know. This is a crazy sport. Weird things happen. Maybe at Tulane, but it's it's hard to pencil in a win. I mean, I can't pencil one win if they don't win one of the next two. And at that point, things get really tricky. Um, yeah. I don't know at what point Jeff Scott needs to worry about his job. I know USF is is, is behind him and, and everything. Um, and again, he had the, the year zero with the pandemic and all this. So I, I, I get all that. But if you go win two games your first two years, and both of them are against one double A teams, FCS teams, that's a hard sell to keep going and, and to get a fan base energized and get recruits excited and all that stuff. So that, I mean, that's why these next two weeks are, are vital for USF. And, you know, I touched on it, but for, for the Gators, the LSU and Georgia games, look, Florida's goal is to win a championship. And unless crazy, crazy things happen, they're not going to, they can still have what I would consider to be a successful year, or at least some success this year. If they, if they win the next two, um, you know, LSU is still a rival. They still have talent. LSU is a tough place to play. 
and especially after what happened last year with the, the, the thrown shoe and everything, that would be a nice win for them. And then if they can find a way to beat Georgia, that would be that would be that would be fan- obviously fantastic. And then you're looking at probably ten and two, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl. Again, right. it wouldn't be the way the season the Gators wanted, but it would mm. be it would be good. The other side is if you lose one or both of them, it, if he then, then you're looking at eight and four, and at that point there's pressure on Mullen. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying he's going to get forced out or anything like that, but you go eight and four back to back years, you're not recruiting at a high level, traje- trajectory going down. That's uh, that's not great. It's not a good place to be, and th- and this is a job that churns through coaches. It burns out coaches. That's what it does. And things will get very, very noisy. And things are already noisy. People are already restless around Gainesville. But then you tack on, if you lose to a, a down LSU team, a down rival, and then potentially Georgia as well, things will get very dicey. Yeah, and Georgia has the ability to make you look really bad. That's a good football team. And they're the number one team in the country and will be probably when they get to uh, Gainesville on October 30th. So um, I'm with you. I mean, it's such a huge – it sounds easy enough to say, right, the difference between eight and ten wins in college football, but it is a New Year's Day versus not. And no one hires coaches at Florida to win eight games. They like them to win at minimum ten and then preferably get into the SEC title game and win that at some point. But that hasn't happened yet for, for uh, Coach Mullen. And – um, these next two weeks are going to be huge, but they're going to be good. So what what did you uh, – I would imagine that your college football poll looked a little different. How far did Alabama fall after their loss? Uh, where do you have your, your top uh, top five or ten teams here? Yeah, it's – every Sunday when I do this, there's a different challenge. And some weeks there's just so much craziness and so many upsets that I, you rip it up and you start over and it takes a long time. This one, it didn't take that long. There, there were just a couple things I had to figure out. Obviously, Bama was the big one. Um, I dropped him to fifth. I could, I, I had him second, by the way. I had, I had Georgia one. I could justify in my mind putting them anywhere from like four to nine, something like that. To, to me, Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, pretty clear one, two, three. I, mm-hmm. I feel good about that. I put OU ahead of, of Alabama. Um, advanced metrics that, that I look like really like Oklahoma, even though they had been a little bit shaky earlier in the year. And then you factor in, okay, maybe their offense has figured things out with the way they played against Texas and the quarterback situation. Um, and then, I, then I put Bama in just ahead of Michigan. Um, Michigan, obviously, they're undefeated, but they've got some. They've had some performances that have not been fantastic. Um, you know, Rutgers was was pretty close. That uh, Nebraska is getting better, but and I'm not going to begrudge Michigan for for winning again at Nebraska, but. There have been a couple performances that haven't been great, and, and and Michigan doesn't have any good wins yet. I could argue that um, Alabama losing by a last second walk off field goal at Texas A and M is more impressive than anything than any of Michigan's wins, just because of the way their schedules work so far. So that's kind of what I've got right now. Um, I've got the Gators at nineteen, which I think the the AP poll has them at twenty. So I'm right yeah. in right in the same area. Mm-hmm. What will be you know. Michigan, like I said, I'm poo-pooed their schedule a little bit, but it's going to get interesting. Where, where they play Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan State uh, in the next, you know, uh, th- the next six weeks or whatever it is. So Michigan's going to have chances to move up, and, and uh, or Ohio State has been playing very, very well here lately. They figure things out with with your boy Stroud, and so maybe they're going to turn things around to the point where I don't, you know, 
I feel good about Georgia in the playoff. Aside from that, I don't, I don't have any idea. If there was a right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to come down to the wire. This is going to be a lot of fun when we get into conference championships and things like that. But if there was a rising team, um, and and I know we got Cincinnati now in the top four and deservedly so. Um, but if there was a rising team that's out there that you say, watch out for these guys, and, and you know, I think Alabama's going to eventually get back in the mix because I think the schedule will allow them to do that. Um, but who would that team be if, there, if you had one that said, mm, kind, of, kind, of a, you know, kind of a team to watch here in the, in the final weeks? Yeah, I, I think it's Ohio State. Which is yeah. oh God, how That's boring right. is that, right? Well, Look, well, it these. sounds boring, but I but I don't disagree with you. Is the thing like I really do? I think they're I think they're going to get back in this. Yeah, I mean, I think after the the week two loss to Oregon at home, I don't want to say people wrote them off, but it's kind of okay. Well, it's going to be really hard for them to get back into it. But the, the last three games put up fifty nine against Akron. Okay, still fifty two against Rutgers, sixty six against Maryland. Their, their offense is clicking. Whatever it is they didn't have early, they've, they've figured it out. And I think they're going to get continue clicking, and I think they're going to roll. Um, you know, the, the Oregon loss has a potential to be problematic because if Oregon goes, you know, undefe- you know they, they, Oregon lost to Stanford, but Oregon and Ohio State, if let's say they're both one-loss uh, conference champions, Oregon will get in, and they should because, look, we, we saw that game. It happened. Oregon won. Oregon should be Ohio, ahead of Ohio State. Oregon's though has got some tricky stuff ahead, where they've got a lot of injuries. You know, CJ Verdell, their running backs hurt. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau's been banged up. I, I could see Oregon slipping up at some point during the rest of their schedule. Maybe not even winning the conference, which makes it that much easier for you know Oregon instead of uh, kind of boxing out Ohio State. If they slide to the side, Ohio State's got a better sh- shot going in, and. Top to bottom, they've got a lot more talent than Iowa. So I, I would pick Ohio State over the Hawkeyes if they were playing tomorrow in Indianapolis. So Ohio State's, to me, the one. Um, maybe Michigan State can somehow make it. I, you know, they, they've been, to me, one of the most impressive teams in the country where I, I didn't have super high expectations for them. But uh, quarterback and receiver played well the other day. Kenneth Walker, I mean, he, he's on my very short Heisman list if I had to do it right now. I don't know that he'd be number one. But he would be on a very, very short list. So, you know, Michigan State's another one that I'm kind of very curious to see how they go the rest of the year once their schedule heats up. Well, Florida State is off, I believe. Uh, we mentioned Florida's at LSU. So where might you be headed? Are you going to stick home and see the USF Bulls? Or what are we doing this weekend, man? Yeah, I'm covering Florida LSU from the couch. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, Florida LSU is still crazy. Uh, there are so many weird things that happen in this rivalry. And I'm going to, you know, write about that later this week on, on the, the edition and on Tampa Bay.com, you know, where you look back in the, the thrown shoe last year, um, the hurricane, uh, because hurricane Matthew game in, in 2016, that you're ducking us. No, we're, we're not ducking you. And, and then they, the Gators went on the goal line stand and all this stuff. There's so many weird things that have happened in this series. I am expecting weirdness on Saturday. I, there's no reason I should say this, but my gut tells me LSU is going to play really well and maybe even get an upset. There, there's zero logical reason why, because LSU is banged up. You know, uh, Stingley and, and Butte, the receiver, are, are, are both out. You know, they, they've just got the doors blown off them at Kentucky. Edwards runs on the hot seat. 
there's zero logical reason why I would think LSU should be in this game. But it's LSU, Florida. Weird things happen. Maybe the Tigers kind of rally themselves around Coach O to try and save his job. And look, LSU was depleted last year and, and went into the swamp and won in the one of the wildest games I will ever, ever see. So I, I'm not predicting that it's going to happen. But a part of me thinks, yeah, LSU is going to find a way to do this stupid thing. <laughs> That's why we love this crazy game. It's college football, man. And we just got had one crazy weekend for sure. Maybe headed towards another one. He's Matt Baker. You can uh, follow him on Tampa Bay on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times covering Florida and LSU this Saturday. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. So we got a busy weekend coming up, not just in college football, uh, of course. And you, you guys don't have to wait for a mailbag or anything to send in your questions. We answer those all the time. Feel free uh, to send those to us at SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, we're going to preview, of course, the Bucks at Philadelphia. Thursday night football didn't do too well a year ago when they went to Chicago on the short week. Tom Brady coming off. The thumb injury, he says everything's going to be okay with that, but um, a difficult trek up there. Of course, Jalen Hurd, Hurts, a lot of um, good Philadelphia defensive linemen. This is not going to be the easiest game in the world, trying to play their third game in 11 days uh, as the Bucks try to go to 5-1. and one. If they're able to do that, then they get some time off, and then they will host the Chicago Bears before we get to the end of the month, of course, with the trip to New Orleans and see Jameis Winston and Orleans Saints. So, uh, interesting couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend of college football, but send your questions in. It can be about the Lightning and their opener, of course, and starting of the season. Um, anything you got, be happy to answer those as well as preview the Bucks at Philadelphia on Thursday Night Football. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.